Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The power of community oncology at Utah Cancer Specialists. Find your personal oncologist at UtahCancer.com. Listen and you'll know. First of all, if you haven't heard this yet, I love this. Rod Arquette on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. You know, I know when Patrick, who is filling in this week for E-Ray and helping to run the show, seconds before I get on the air, yells into my headphones, Let's go! I know it's time. (laughs) There we go. I know it's time to get the show going. And and we do that each and every day. How are you, everybody? Welcome to the Rod Arquette Show on this uh, Thursday. Can you believe it is already Thursday? And man, it feels like we may get a doozy of a storm out there. You just got that feeling. Wind is blowing. We got cloudy skies. Kind of cool. Everything's blowing around, and uh, we may get some more snow. Nobody is complaining right now about too much snow. I mean, it could snow forever because we need it, right? I mean, we really, really do need it. So, um, you know, let's not complain. Let's deal with it. If you out there driving, I guess tomorrow morning is going to be a real interesting commute in the morning. So maybe plan ahead a little bit, maybe go into work a little bit later, but take your time driving depending on the amount of snow we get. I've heard anywhere from one to four here in the valley valley area on the valley floor, uh, two to six maybe in the mountain or in the uh, benches. And maybe even higher than that up in the mountains. So for the ski resorts, this is such great news. You I, know, I don't remember the last time that resorts opened this early. It's yeah, been I'm a with while. you on that. I'm with you on that. I mean, yeah, they, they, it's been a while for it them. It feels like that they've always opened at least within the last 10 years, like uh, mid-December, yeah, yeah. You know, January. Now, can I tell you what scares me? What's that? And, and th- I've just seen this pattern that we'll get a lot of snow here for a few weeks, and then it'll, some will turn off the tap. Yeah. That's and what we'll, I'm concerned and about. And then we'll go January and February with nothing. Yep. And that's happened over the last couple of years. Yep. Don't tell me it's climate change, for crying out loud. It's just, just don't go there, folks. Don't go there. All right. How are you, everybody? Welcome to the Rod Arquette Show on this first day of December. We have now entered the final month of 2022, and what a year it has been. We want to thank all of you for listening to us each and every day. We've had a fantastic year and hope it will continue into 2023, and we're pretty confident it will. So um, we want to say thank you. All right, a lot to get to today. A lot of news coming out about the economy today. Consumer spending is up, gasoline prices down. I actually paid under $4 a gallon for a price of gasoline today. I don't know how long it's been since I've done that, but gas prices are coming down. I think that's that's good news. Uh, and the job market, very strong. We'll get unemployment numbers tomorrow, and they're pretty good. Uh, Steve Moore is going to join us, our uh, weekly economist. Steve, of course, chief economist at Freedom Works and senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Steve will join us here in a little bit. Can you believe what Janet Yellen said? Like, Janet Yellen is the Treasury Secretary. You know who she's blaming inflation on? All of us. All of us. She said, if you Americans would stop splurging, we wouldn't have any inflation. <laughs> they, you know, what is it with these guys? They can't say, uh, you know, we may have screwed up. 
No, they blame it on oil companies, uh, you name it. Now they're blaming it on the American consumer. So this holiday season, according to Janet Yellen, quit spending. That makes a lot of sense. You know what? It? That new iPad that's coming to the Arquette house? I hope that's so. That's your fault, man. Exactly. It's your fault. <laughs> well, 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 we'll wait and see. All right. Uh, also, a little bit later on, um, if you want to destroy the United States, what is the first thing you would do? If you wanted to de- destroy the United States of America, what is the one thing you would do hmm. other than dropping a couple of bombs on it? I mean, uh, think about that a little uh, bit. Water? I, I don't know. Victor Davis Hanson, well-known author, well-known educator out there at Stanford University, will join us. He wrote a terrific article on this today. We'll talk with Victor a little bit later on. We'll talk about America's school districts. I've got a, a guest coming up who says they're simply too large. And he's talking mostly about you know large American cities where, like New York, they have a million children in the New York City school district. You know, we had that vote in the midterms down there in Utah County. Orem wanted to break away from the Alpine School District, do its own thing. Uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of small school districts. Uh, I'll be right up front with you. I think they're more effective and operate in a much more efficient way. We'll talk about that. And um, I think we're in the five o'clock hour. Patrick and I were talking about this before the start of the show. Uh, I think the headline in Bune today says, wow, the number of people who have moved into this state, and I think it's just been in the last year, maybe two, topped almost or almost reached 62,000 people. That's a lot of that, people. That's a lot of new people moving into this area. And we'll, we'll, we'll reach out and talk to some of you out there who are new or may have family or friends who've moved in. I'd like to find out why they came here. Yeah. And if they're bringing their conservative liberal views, because <laughs> if you're bringing your liberal views, get out. No. <laughs> Leave. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that as well. So a lot to get to today. As always, we sure do enjoy your company, and we hope we're a good companion to you as well. 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010, or on your cell phone, dial pound 215, say, hey, Rod. All right. We always have these stories out at Christmas time of people trying to ban things or doing stupid things around the holidays, right? Well, we have this story out of Washington. Evergreen Public Schools up there in the state of Washington. Um, I don't know if this was planned. It probably was, but then they immediately retracted it. They had originally banned and then quickly unbanned the playing of Christmas music on school buses. Really? Yeah, the district located in Vancouver, that's north of Seattle, right on the border with Canada, sent out a memo which was addressed to all school bus drivers. Now, the memo... Uh, was entitled Christmas Music with Students on Board. And it read, please refrain from playing Christmas music while students of any grade level are on your school bus. I didn't I didn't, I didn't think school bus drivers were allowed to play music anyways. I mean, I thought it'd be distracting to them. Yeah. yeah. But this memo went on to say, we want our students who do not celebrate to feel comfortable and safe on the bus, and those who do have opportunities outside school to sing their songs, the memo was signed by the district superintendent transportation boss, right? Well, all of a sudden, uh, apparently the public went, "Uh uh-uh, ain't gonna happen up here. They quickly unbanned the band. (laughs) So so they can play Christmas music up there. I never, I I didn't think uh, bus drivers were allowed to play music on their buses. I remember... because uh, wouldn't it be this right? I mean, you got a million kids yipping and yelling and going crazy behind you. Right. It, it, we had a stereo on the bus. It sounded dreadful. <laughs> it, I mean, it, you know, a <laughs> surprise. But uh, yeah, he he would play music on the bus. Oh, I see. I didn't the know they were allowed to do that. Out. I didn't know they were allowed to do that. Yeah. 
But in in Vancouver, Washington, they tried to ban it, and people woke up and said, nah, and now they've changed it. All right, now here's an idea for all you families out there who are financially struggling maybe this time of year, and there may be a lot of you out there. I've got an idea for you. Invite your family over for a for a Christmas dinner, right, and charge them. <laughs> <laughs> There is a story today. What a wacky story. Is this in, uh, where is this woman? Where she live? I thought she was in Germany. Maybe not. But everyone in the, we all have family traditions, right? Does your family gather on uh, for uh, Christmas? Oh, yeah. yeah, we we gather as well. Well, apparently, uh, Caroline Dundridge, I believe is her name, is charging everyone who comes to her home money for Christmas dinner, including her youngest grandkids. Oh, my word. The mom of five, a grandmother of six, is charging adults up to $18 for a meal at grandma's. Her 12-year-old and three nine-year-old grandchildren have to pony up about $6, and her two three-year-old grandchildren are being charged $3 each. She charges the adult women less because they have families and work part-time. I don't get this one. Wow. She goes, I log into my bank account, check who has made their Christmas dinner payment in November. If they have, they're invited. Oh. If they haven't, they can't come. <laughs> I mean, what? Can you imagine? The, the spirit of giving? Yeah. <laughs> Give it back. <laughs> Give it back. For I want my money. Life. Yeah. She has five adult children, 37, 34, 32, 29, and 24, and she she now started charging for Christmas dinner back in 2016 and has since become part of the family's tradition. Immediately, immediate relatives are used to it by now. Now, it doesn't, I, I look through the story, and I'm trying to figure out what she used the money for. <laughs> Probably pay for dinner. I don't yeah, know. I'm, but would you, would you go to a family member's home for Christmas knowing you had to pay for dinner? No, I'd probably just go to Chuckarama. <laughs> I don't think they're open on Christmas. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, charge it. Maybe it's an idea. You uh, know what? I, yeah. She, even the three-year-old grandkids are paying for dinner? Is there a message here? I've looked through the story, and I, I didn't see any reason behind it. I guess the message is, hey, nothing's free. I'm not eating the cost of everything. Nah. Here, a, well, well, here's what she said. She said, like many moms and grannies, who always make Christmas dinner, I couldn't bear the cost of buying all the gifts and paying for the entire meal. I was worried I'd spend the new year paying it all over again. So she's trying to cover the okay, cost of the meal. Right. Yeah, but really? Can you imagine that going to your three boys, oh, and your grandkids, oh, saying, yeah. hey. Well, my sons can eat a house, each of them, so it gets real expensive with those guys. <laughs> yeah, I know. Wow, well, Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. All right, a lot to get to. A lot of consumer and e- economic news coming out today. Steve Moore will break the numbers down for us. And Victor Davis Hansen talks about what it would take to destroy America. And that's coming up in the first hour of the Rod Arquette Show. Great to be with you. To keep learning. Listen to The Bible in a Year with Jack Graham on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Rod Arquette Show with you on this Thursday here on Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. We're an iHeartRadio station. If you want to be a part of the conversation we invite you to do so throughout the day 888-570-8010 888-570-8010 or on your cell phone dial pound 215 and say hey rod well apparently the biden administration has found someone else to blame for inflation treasury secretary janet yellen said today that if americans would quit splurging and buying things the economy and inflation would slow down well it appears to be slowing down already consumer spending jumped in october 
as inflation's concerns eased a little bit. Gas prices are also coming down. Joining us on our Newsmaker line to take a look at the economy right now is Steve Moore, economist with Freedom Works, also a senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation. You'll see him quite often on Fox News. Steve, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Break down these numbers for us today, Steve. What are you seeing? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, I, this was good good news on the inflation front. I mean, there's good news and bad news. The good news is the inflation is coming down from, you know, 8 to 9% to about uh, 6%, which is, you know, a, a good direction. The bad news is 6% inflation is still really high. Yeah. By the way, one of the reasons you have this rail strike uh, or the threat of one is that workers are just seeing their paychecks getting shrink, shrunk by the effect of inflation and what they can buy with their money. So we are not out of the woods at all on inflation. I think it is still a way, way higher than it should be. Remember, we want the inflation rate to be somewhere between 0 and 2%, not somewhere between 6 and 9%. So um, that is my assessment of this. I like the report today because it did show that at least inflation is starting to come down, but but still so far from the 0 to 2% target that the Fed has set. Steve, what do you make of the uh, claim made by Jerome Powell, I think it was just yesterday, that, quote, nobody thought inflation would reach the levels it did. Wait a minute. I think you warned us about that. Larry Summers <laughs> warned you. us about that. I mean, Thank come on, Steve. <laughs> remembering that, yeah, you and I talked about that for almost uh, nine months. Yeah. Inflation was not temporary. It wasn't transitory. It wasn't a high-class problem. And so the Fed got it wrong, and the Biden administration got it wrong. And the reason that the high inflation was predictable was that the, the government was spending so much money and borrowing so much money. I called it helicopter money. The government just dumping $100 bills out of the uh, out of the windows of helicopters, and everybody then went out and spent the money. Well, that's the very definition of what inflation is, too many dollars chasing too few goods. So that's a rewrite of history. Uh, there were a lot of people, including not just me, but the Wall Street Journal editorial page and others, who had predicted we would have very high inflation if this behavior continued. Powell says they may let up on the gas when it comes to uh, interest rates. Uh, why is time to do that, Steve, or should they keep the pressure on? Uh, that's a tough question because, on the one hand, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to crash the economy. On the other hand, on the other hand, it's job number one has to be to get the inflation rate down to below two percent. So there's still work to be done. I think that uh, they're going to do another 50 basis point um, rate hike at their next meeting. And and then we'll see where we are with the inflation rate. If it continues to come down, then maybe we don't need the Fed to be continuing to raise interest rates. But the one thing we do need, absolutely 100 percent, 
we need the new Congress. The Republicans are taking over the House of Representatives in January. They need to, you know, slam the brakes on this massive $4 trillion Biden spending spree because that's the reason we had the inflation in the first place. What do you hear about holiday spending? How is it going for merchants out there? Good, good. People are still spending because you know, they have all this government money. <laughs> so, you know, the government keeps giving people money and they go out and spend it. And, you know, it's just like, you know, when you go out on a drinking binge and it feels so good, you know, to be drinking the champagne until the next morning. So there's a real worry that there's going to be a hangover effect. But right now, boy, people are. And the other thing people are doing is they're they're bringing up their credit cards yeah. more. So people are going to feel in January, oh, my God, you know, I, I always have that effect after Christmas. I don't know about you. I can't believe I spent so much money. <laughs> well, how concerned are you about Americans ringing up all this credit card debt, Steve? What impact could that very, have on things? Very. Because you've got a federal government that's ringing up $4 trillion of debt. Then you've got consumers going into a trillion dollars of debt. Uh, you know, businesses are ringing up more debt. So, no, I don't like that picture. I mean, debt in and of itself is not a bad thing if you're investing in the things that are going to provide an income uh, and a return in the future. But we're not doing that. I mean, we're building windmills and, and uh, solar panels and, you know, paying people to buy Teslas and things like that. But there's no real economic return on that. So uh, I, am, I would say one of my biggest worries right now is that we've become debt nation. Steve, let's talk about gasoline prices. They seem to be trending down. Demand is down. Is that the number one reason why we're seeing them drop? Yeah, it is. Demand is down, and I'm not sure why that is. I mean, I think, you know, high prices have caused people to not be able to afford to drive as much. And so I think there's a demand effect. Uh, but, you know, look, when you have the, the price of gasoline go from 250 to, to remember, it was about as high as $5 a gallon, that incentivizes people to go out and produce more. We should be producing way more of the energy here in the United States. Meanwhile, we have a president who's basically saying, okay, let's let, allow the drilling in Venezuela. <laughs> but, you know, he says that three weeks after he says he wants to shut down American oil and gas drilling. I want to talk about what's going on in Congress. There were some uh, Senate conservatives who sent Mitch McConnell a letter saying they should not pass a large omnibus bill until Republicans take control of the House. What's going on there, Steve? Yeah, I completely agree with that. You know, we should not be the, these lame duck sessions. Uh, you know, the people are voting on these budgets. Are, many of them have lost their seats. They've been thrown out by voters. So there's no reason to pass anything except a temporary budget to get through, you know, the rest of the year. And then we start over again in January with the new Congress. Remember, Republicans in the House will be controlling the Congress, and it's it's uh, their number one job is to uh, is to get that spending under control. So the Democrats are making a last-ditch effort before that window slams shut to spend every penny they can get out of their hand. Uh, and just read, folks should read the Wall Street Journal editorial today, which really talks about that, about, you know, they, they're just like kids in a candy store trying to spend, 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 and ring up the federal uh, credit card, and Republicans need to bring stop to that. How confident are you that once Republicans do take control of the House, <laughs> they'll attempt to put on the brakes a little bit, Steve? Are you very confident? <laughs> uh, you know, um, I think they will slow it down, but I mean, I think we need to, be, I mean, yeah, I think we need to take a, you know, a, a, a chainsaw to this budget. I really do. I mean, when you added $4 trillion above the $5 trillion we already spend every year, um, that worries me a great deal. And, you know, we're, our when I first came to Washington, we were frightened of 
$100 billion deficits. Now we have trillion-dollar deficits, two-trillion-dollar deficits. It seems like the sky is the limit. Yeah. Final question for you, Steve. I, I keep on seeing a lot of companies announcing some layoffs. We get the jobs report tomorrow. Give me your take on where the labor market is. Strong. It's very strong. If you're looking for a job, the jobs are out there. Is it slowing down a little bit, as you just said? Yeah. And you do have some big companies, I think Disney and uh, Meta and some of the bigger, uh, you know, bigger, uh, you know, uh, technology companies which has a wild spending binge and hiring binge are, are starting to, you know, uh, lay off some people. But it's still a good it's still a good jobs market for people who want to find one. And so uh, we'll find out tomorrow at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time, and I'll be on Fox Business News, what the new report tells us. I think we'll probably get about uh, 150 to 200,000 jobs. So the pace of job creation is slowing, but it's still a good jobs market. Steve Moore, Chief Economist at the uh, Heritage Foundation. Also a... Uh, Download the free iHeartRadio app for all of your music, radio, and podcasts. Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Boy, have we had a lot of new people move into this state in the last year. Nearly 62,000. We want to know why. <laughs> I mean, are you escaping the uh, the uh, blue states? Are you coming to a red state? Even though I think don't think it's as red as most people say it is. Uh, we're going to talk about that coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Maybe talk to some of you uh, newer residents who may be listening to the show to, uh, today to explain why you decided to move to the great state of Utah. Don't blame me. It's a beautiful state. We love it here. And we'll talk about that coming up in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. Well, what would it take or what do you think needs to be done to destroy the United States of America? I mean, what are some of the steps you would take? Well, my next guest wrote uh, had laid down some thoughts about that today in an article with, I don't think it's a surprise ending, and that's why I wanted to bring him on the show. We're talking about Victor Davis Hansen. Victor is an author, historian. Always great to have him on the show. Victor, how are you? Welcome back. Very good. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about this. You you wrote great article today about if you really wanted to destroy the U.S. then. Outline some of the steps you think it would take. <laughs> well, I mean... It wasn't very clever. I just basically outlined what Joe Biden has done. So if you really <laughs> wanted to destroy the, the, the United States, you would you would start printing money at exactly the time that you were coming off a huge infusion of cash uh, during the COVID Trump years, and there was enormous supply. I mean, enormous demand for goods, and there was a supply shortage, and you'd get inflation. And you would do that intentionally, I suppose, on the rationale that people who had money. Uh, had too much, and therefore the value would decrease of what they had, and the people who had gotten a lot didn't get enough, so they should get more. So that was one thing. And the other idea is that maybe you wouldn't want the United States to be defined as a concrete place or a particular people, but it would just be amorphous that the border would be sort of like the old Roman Rhine River, which people come across back and forth, and then therefore the United States as we knew it would cease to exist. That's one thing that you could do, but you'd have to let in two or three million people a year. That's pretty hard to do, but if you wanted to destroy the United States, you could do it. 
maybe you get tired of the idea that we were self-sufficient in energy. And if you did, you thought that may be either unnecessary or contrary to climate change orthodoxy, you would probably cancel the Keystone, never build the Constitution pipeline, uh, cancel ANWR, uh, jawbone frackers and horizontal drillers as sort of satanic people that don't deserve financing. I would probably also cancel or at least reduce federal leases more than any other president. And uh, if I wanted to kind of suggest that we weren't that exceptional abroad and that we poke our nose in people's businesses, and I would just pack up and leave Afghanistan, leave a billion-dollar embassy, $300 million air base, uh, 10,000 loyal Afghan allies, and uh, just leave it. Yeah. Maybe leave a couple of pride flags and George Floyd murals in our wake to remind <laughs> Vladimir Putin who we are <laughs> as he was stuck on the borders of Ukraine. Victor, it sounds like you've been reading the Joe Biden playbook. <laughs> That's what it sounds like, doesn't well, it, Victor? I, mean, I guess the point, yeah, the point of it was, Ron, is that when you look at these last two years, what, what, I mean, I was kind of serious. What would you do differently if you wanted to weaken the United States? I can't think of anything that would weaken it more than what they did deliberately. Do you think we're on a path that the country could be in serious jeopardy if this all continues, Victor? Oh, uh, absolutely. How I didn't so? even get into some of the other things. Yeah. Uh, I'm really worried because we're at $31 trillion in debt, and the interest rates are going to have to go up, and to service that debt is going to really crowd out a lot of things in the budget, like defense spending. I think people abroad... Uh, don't believe the United States can or will defend its interest. Uh, I think at home we're reverting to a sort of a Yugoslavian tribal idea that your first affinities or your first loyalties are with your people who look like you rather than the idea of a non-racial American experiment that was so effective mm-hmm. in the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's other things that, that really trouble me that I think all of us are live and let live, and we don't mind alternate lifestyles, but to privilege or to suggest that this transgendered movement or the non-nuclear family or the two parents in a household with three children is somehow aberrant is just crazy in terms of demography or history or stability. I think we've redefined crime. I don't understand it. It's almost as if it's a construct and that people commit crimes in terms of trying to achieve social justice. They feel that if you steal, you know, steal a stereo or you steal sneakers or something, it's it's that law is only there because a bunch of wealthy white heterosexual Christian males don't do it. So therefore, they set they made laws so other people couldn't do it. Hmm. Victor, it's kind yeah. of crazy. Yeah, Victor, I heard a comment the other day, a quote from the other day. I think it was either from Justice Thomas or Justin Scalia in one of the books that they wrote. Said America is slouching toward Gomorrah. Are we slouching toward yeah. Gomorrah? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Yeah, Robert Bork wrote a book like that. Okay, he, okay. He, he, it was Bork, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he used the title. Yeah, it was a... You're absolutely... Yeah, we are. Uh, insidiously, and that's what's dangerous. It's not... We're not even aware of it. It's sort of like a an addict that slowly goes into complete dis- dependency. And, uh, you know, we have strange statistics, on that are really baffling. The labor participation rate is 64%. It's only 64%. And so there's, you know, there's a large percentage of Americans that are just not working, and yet we're told that, that you know, there's all these reasons why mm-hmm. people shouldn't work. Yeah. This idea that what made America great was independence, entrepreneurialism, liberty-loving, self-reliant economy. All of that has been, not that it's in the wane, but it's been attacked. So if you're you're somebody who stands up at the national anthem at an NBA game and you're really proud and you smile or you you have three children and you're married and you have your own home, it's, all of that's questionable. How did you get that? Or why did you do that? Why does somebody not have what you have? So when you go down this idea of forced equity, and if you're not equal to every single person, there has to be some culpability, and somebody has to figure out, with a lot of power in government, who's the victim and who's the victimizer, and, and then act accordingly. That's really dangerous. That's yeah. what philosophers have warned us about. Tocqueville said that. He, he said that again and again. America won't work if everybody would rather be equal and poor than better off but some more than others. Interesting. Victor, as always, great conversation. Thank you for that frightening list, by the way. Thank you, Victor. Okay, thank you. All right, that is Victor Davis Hanson, Stanford University. He's an author, historian. Uh, Really interesting article if you really wanted to destroy America then. And he lists all these things, every one of them being implemented now by the Democrats under the leadership of Joe Biden. Frightening. All right, more. You can Google Any Hour Services. You can even schedule online at anyhourservices.com. No one helps more homeowners than Any Hour Services. All right, welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show on this Thursday, Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you will know. Now, we just had uh, uh, Victor Davis Hansen on. He's an author, historian from Stanford, the Hoover Institute. There at Stanford University, you see him on quite often, be it with uh, Sean Hannity or with Tucker Carlson on Fox News. And he's on our show quite regularly as well. We always like his uh, his thoughts. And he, he wrote an article today that if you wanted to destroy the U.S., then... And he outlines, you know, uh, cripple the energy sector, 
uh, open borders, um, uh, spend more money than you have. I mean, he goes on and on with the list, and it's like he's reading right out of Joe Biden's playbook and the Democrats' playbook as to what they're trying to do to America today. And I do believe they're trying to destroy, if not destroy, severely change America in the way we've always operated for, what, 230, 40 years now. Um, well, following up on that, our good friend, Senator John Kennedy. Now, John Kennedy, a Republican from Louisiana, uh, re-elected in the midterm elections, always is quick with the word and the quip, right? So he was asked to give a take on Joe Biden's energy policy. Here's what Senator John Kennedy, how he described it. I used to have a, a, a beagle named Roger, and Roger was a rascal. About every two weeks, Roger would run off. He'd always come back, but about half the time he'd come back dragging uh, roadkill that he would hide under my back porch. Uh, President Biden's energy policy looks like something Roger used to keep under my back porch. <laughs> you just love this guy. Oh, my word. His energy policy is roadkill. That's why we like John Kennedy, Senator Kennedy. Whenever we get a chance, uh, we like to... Uh, Grab his comments because they're always right to the point, but in a way that's <laughs> very <laughs> energy roadkill. All right, uh, new survey out. I love these. Uh, when it comes to NFL fans, okay, emotions run very high. Loyalty is very, very deep. Okay, in the NFL, it is in college as well. NFL fans are a little bit different, I think, from college fans. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, you've been to games. There, there is a difference there. It's hard for me to describe, but there's a difference. Well, apparently this uh, this uh, New Jersey website has put together a list of the rudest NFL fans. Who's number one? Oh, I'm going to say Philadelphia. <laughs> I'm gonna... I, I asked three people that same question today. They all answered Philadelphia. Yeah, they're the worst. Now, this is these are the fans who threw snowballs at Santa. These are the fans when Michael Irvin, who used to play for the Cowboys, was injured, and they cheered. I mean, yeah, they're, they're the rooted. Who comes in number two? I would say, ooh. I, would, I was going to say New England, but I think I'm going to stay New, in the state of New Jersey, either one of the New York teams. Really? No, 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 no. Oakland. I'm going to uh. change my mind. No, I'm sorry. Not Oakland. Las Vegas Raiders. You're right. Vegas, number two. Yeah. Vegas. Really? I love Vegas fans. I mean, they dress up. I mean, it's kind of a weird crowd going They're down. Frightened. I haven't been to one of those games yet down there. No. But whew, you see the outfits they put on? Whew, number three. Number three. Now, this surprised me a little bit. Root, NFL rudest fans. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go some. Yeah, I'm going to go back to New York. Really? Yeah. Dallas Cowboys. No. Number three. They And the reason why is... They heckle players and refs too much, and the coaches. Now, I've been to several games down at down at the stadium down there in Dallas. In AT&T? Yeah, and um, I don't hear as much heckling. I think they get, yeah, they heckle a little bit, but they they come in number three. That surprises me. Uh, now, let me, uh, I've been down there twice for games against the Eagles of all. You know, it's a fierce rivalry, right? <laughs> Every time we've left the stadium after the game's over. We'll count five or six fights taking place outside the stadium between Cowboy fans and Eagle fans. Wow. I mean, it's just, it's like mayhem down there. Number four. So you've got you've got the Eagles. Okay. I think everyone can agree on Eagles yeah. fans. You've got Raiders fans. You've got Cowboys fans. Who's number four? I'll go 49ers. New England Patriots. 
Okay. All right. The New England Patriots, uh, they mock opposing players. And number five, Greg Hughes may agree or disagree with this, but his Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No, I, I'm a little surprised at that. At the bottom of the list, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, yeah. Who cares about <laughs> Who cares? Oh, man. Talk about irrelevant yeah. team in the NFL. Eagles number one, Raiders number two, Cowboys number three, Patriots four, Steelers number five, the rudest fans. You know, I have in a suggestion. NFL. Yes. I think the Denver Broncos, after going after oh, Russell Wilson, uh, now this what's year? going on in Denver? Oh, dear. Oh, yeah, they may top the list next year. All right. A lot of people have moved into this state in the last year. Mountains. I'm meteorologist Chase Thomason. Tune in for the updated first alert forecast on KUTV 2 News at 4, 5, and 6 p.m. All right, I love the uh, the headline in the uh, Tribune today on this story that we're going to be talking about this hour. I think they stole my word. I always say this word. I don't know why. But the headline says, wow. And it talks about Utah's population increase. The numbers are pretty staggering if you look at things. Here's the story. This is some information. It was released today by the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute up there at the University of Utah. Overall, Utah's estimated population skyrocketed by more than 62,000 people between July of last year to July of this year making it the state's largest spike in absolute growth since 2006. Wow. That's that, that, a lot of people. That's a lot of new people. It pushes the state's population to a little more now than 3.4 million people. The report also notes that all of Utah's counties grew over the past year, aside from Daggett County, which declined by six people. <laughs> Oh, only six? Well, there are only ten people that live there, so (laughs) just picking on Daggett County. Imagine you're a great county. Don't send cards or emails. Let me have it. Now, the the area with the fastest growth, and this is going to surprise absolutely no one, Utah County. Yeah. Now, Utah County, the Wasatch Front is once again where the state's population is growing the most, according to the story in the D News today, as the four most populated counties accounted for more than two-thirds of the growth of the past year led by Utah County. The county's population boost is by uh, both by highest net migration, people moving in, and highest natural increase, having babies. So that, uh, That's Utah County. Yeah. <laughs> They're, you well, you live there. Yeah, <laughs> you live there. You know, they're moving in and they're making babies at the yeah, same time. At the same time, now the growth pushes Utah County's estimated population to seven hundred and seven thousand. That's that, that that that's grown a lot. It's very very busy. Uh, you get to Point of the Mountain, Timpanogos Highway. Oh that yeah, Lehigh you, stretch. Yeah, oh, you, you, yeah. wow, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, uh, that's uh, as I mentioned, Utah County, the second largest county now in the state. Salt Lake County has 1.2 million residents. Uh, Davis County placed third. They grew by 5,700 residents. They knew that I lived there. They probably would move in. Uh, <laughs> Washington was next. Cache County was uh, rounding out the top five. Now, most of the growth is coming from net migration, people moving into the state which accounts for 57% of the region's growth and 62% of the state's overall growth. So, people are moving here. It is a great place to live. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Now, uh, the question that I that, that would concern me, now, we're, we're nothing compared to probably what's going on in 
in Texas or what's going on in Florida. But this is still a significant increase. The biggest challenge that we have with this growth, in my opinion, and I've said this before, is water. Yep. Where are we going to get the water for all these folks? Well, yeah, in Washington County. Washington County. Massive growth. Washington Washington County is almost now as big or bigger than Weber County now. I mean, they're getting, really? they're getting really close. Okay. That's according to Greg Hughes. You can believe him or not. It's up to you. <laughs> uh, but, but, I mean, so the challenge is going to be, in my opinion, is water. You know, and everyone wants to move along the Wasatch Front. You know, between what about, would you say, Spanish Fork up to Brigham City? Yeah, Spanish probably, Fork used to be the outlier. Yeah, now it's kind probably of that area. there. Where are we going to put all of them if this continues? Now, it, it probably won't. I think the high interest rates are going to slow things down, people moving to the area right now. But if this continues, where on earth do we put them? You know, and I'm not I'm not saying, you know, build walls and don't let anybody in. Eagle Mountain. <laughs> well, that's Oh my gosh. Oh my I've been word. out there only twice. You know, over the last several years. You go out there and you go, there's another city out here. Yeah. It really you is. You go over that hill or whatever they do down <laughs> there and then you go down in there and you go, what is going on in Eagle Mountain? Yep. Huge, huge growth. So the question we have tonight that I want to talk to you about is what made Utah, and and if you've moved to the area over the last, let's say, three to five years, maybe even a little bit longer than that, um, what made Utah so attractive to you and your family? Was it a job? Was it lifestyle? Was it just the beauty of the state? And we do have one of the prettiest states around. I mean, you can go from the the northern part of the state where it's green and lush up there near Flaming Gorge and all that area, down to St. George and the Red Rock down there. It's absolutely gorgeous. You get everything in between. I mean, we have, what, five national parks? I think we have 40 state parks now in this state. So it's a great place. It's a great place to live. Now, it was interesting. We were having a discussion a couple of days ago about uh, people who carry firearms and why they do it. And I remember one man called in. I think it was a Marine, ex-Marine, he said. He moved here. And he moved here because he thought it was safe. But he's now starting to wonder, "Mm, maybe not as safe as it used to be. So is it still safe, in your opinion? I, I believe it is. But, you know, I'm not around as much as I think other people are. Because I kind of, you know, I'm a hermit. Uh, <laughs> so I don't get out, you know, and, and I live in Davis County, and it's fairly tame, even though what happened the other day up in Davis County, I mean, guys sleeping in a car start shooting at cops. I mean, yeah. you know, how safe is that? So, but, uh, you know, if you've moved here recently, or you know somebody who has, and you've asked them, why did you move here? You know, what attracted you here? Um, I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to find out. Why you think Utah is a, is a great state. Remember years ago, they had that slogan, a pretty great state. <laughs> and we made so much fun of that. I mean, pretty great. It's not great. It's kind of pretty great. It's there's average. A qual- there's a qualifier. Yeah, it means it's basically <laughs> it's average. better than average. I don't think it's a pretty great state. I think it is a great state. You know, we can get after lawmakers all we want. I think they do a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll hear it for that. No, I think they do a good job. And, you know, I think the fact that we have in our Constitution, you must have a balanced budget. That's the way to go. I think you have to do that. I think taxes are relatively low. In my opinion, I think the state could move toward eliminating the income tax. Uh, and I know there are several states. I've lived in Texas. They don't have an income tax. I've lived in Washington State. They don't have an income tax. And let me tell you what, folks. It's a nice boost 
to the monthly income. Yeah. It really is. If you don't have pay income tax, it really does help. But Florida, for the too. Oh, yeah. A Florida, you're right. So, I, I mean, I think we could get to that point. But there are other, there, there are many, I think people here, for the most part, pretty upstanding people, for the most part. I mean, you've got yeah. some stinkers. Uh, <laughs> there's no doubt. But, I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty upstanding folks. So, um, I want to open up the phones, because I really like to know from you tonight. Uh, first of all, if you moved to the state within the last three to five years, uh, maybe even 10. What brought you here? Uh, a lot of people, I've heard people say it's schools. You know, the schools they they lived in in California or in Washington just aren't cutting it. And they're afraid for their children. The in, What's going on in schools? Jobs, certainly there are good jobs here. There's an argument over the pay for the jobs here. But it, I, I wanted to say it used to be it was relatively, it wasn't as expensive to live here as it is in other areas. I don't know about that anymore. Because if you look at the price of eggs, you look at the price of gasoline, we're still one of the highest-priced gasolines in the in the country. Yeah. I haven't figured that one out as of yet. So I want to open up the phones and hear from you tonight on this. Why you moved here? Uh, what attracted you here? Um, did you leave a liberal state, and are you bringing your liberal values with you? If so, <laughs> get out. Uh, you know, or, uh, you know, 888-570-8010. I'd love to have a discussion with you on this tonight. 888-570-8010. Or on your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod, your calls, your comments. Download the free iHeartRadio app for all of your music, radio, and podcasts. Great song. Protest song, matter of fact, from the Vietnam War era. How are you? Welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. I was just, I was laughing a little bit. There's a big state dinner at the White House tonight. Of course, the French president is here, you know, visiting, and Joe Biden and Joe Biden are there with a with the vice president and president. Now, first of all, the president and vice president of this country can't speak English. <laughs> And they're trying to communicate with a guy who only speaks French. What do you think that conversation is like tonight around the dinner table at the White House? It's probably pleasant because he does not have to talk to Biden. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> good, good, good point. All right. Welcome back to the show. 888-570-8010 on your cell phone dial, pound 250, and say, hey, Rod. Uh, wow. That's the headline today in the uh, Salt Lake Tribune, Utah Seed's largest population spurt from in-migration since World War II, 62,000 people here in the state of Utah since July of last year. All right, so we're reaching out to people who may have moved here today or may have moved here in the last year, three years, five years, uh, and why you moved here. 888-570-8010 on your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod, we go to the phones. We begin in Davis County tonight with Bill. Bill, how are you? Welcome to the Rod Arquette Show. Good. How you doing, Rod? I'm doing well. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for asking. Okay, and what's going on? I moved here five years ago, and um, I got family down here. Okay, I came down to visit, and I came down here. I'm from California, and California it seems like you lock up in jail all the time. Cause down there you got bars on windows. Everything. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot different. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I like it here a lot. And you moved you know, here. There's no helicopters. Yeah, you moved here Go from ahead. where? Southern, you moved here from Southern California by the sounds of it? Because you're right, helicopters are always in the air in the Los Angeles area. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's so nice down here. It's peaceful, you know. 
you can leave the doors open, you know, Davis County. You can walk down the street. I mean, it's so, I mean, I mean, I love this place. Yeah. All right. All right, Bill. Well, we're glad you did, and welcome to Utah. Back to the phones we go. Let's go to Alana. Alana, I, under, I understand, Alana, you moved here from D.C. Hello, Alana. Hello. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yes. Um, so we moved to Utah last August, uh, and I moved from Washington, D.C. Uh, basically, COVID uh, made me mm-hmm. reframe what was important for my kid, and I wanted her to be in school with people, uh, not just remote. And I had to quit my job and actually change completely my career, um, and I don't regret it. Um, but uh, it was it was tough. All right, Alana, I'm going to cut you off there. We had a weird phone connection, Alana, but thank you very much for sharing that and moving from uh, D.C. into this area. Let's go back to the phones. Let's talk with Michelle, who's in Eagle Mountain tonight. Michelle, welcome to the Rod Arquette Show. Hey, Rod. Um, loyal listener, thank you so much. Yes, um, five years ago from Los Angeles County, and the number one reason was because I have a special needs adult son, and um, there was no opportunities for him to have a life. And um, he is here now. He has a job. And he, you know, has a, his own community and life. And it's a true, true blessing. Wow. Let me ask you, uh, uh, Michelle, what's different here? What did you find different here from Los Angeles County? What's the biggest difference, would you say? Well, first off, um, they did their continuation program. They they did not accommodate to advance him. Mm -hmm. Um, What they did was basically sit him in a chair. They wouldn't take him to on-work places. And um, he went to ATEC in Utah County, and they had him doing, you know, as soon as we got here, he was, like, doing three different jobs. You know, he's considered moderate to severe, but, you know, he has held down a job at two different, uh, you know, major pizza locations um, here um, in Utah County. And every everyone loves him, but there was nothing, there was no nothing after um, high school for him. Well, 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 I'm glad we're taking care of your son. I appreciate that, Michelle. All right, let's go back to the phones. Also in Eagle Mountain, we're speaking with Musette tonight here on the Router Catch Show. Musette, how are you? I'm great, Rod. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Pretty name, by the way. Did I pronounce it right? Is it Muset or Muset? You did Muset, and you did just right. Pretty name, pretty name. All right. (laughs) (laughs) What are your thoughts on this? Well, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I won't do that to you. So we've lived here for two years. We moved in January two years ago, and um, we moved because our kids were accepted to BYU, and that was a big deal. We have eight children, and two of them, the some of the uh, youngest, were accepted BYU. So we were going to end up with one child left at home on a farm in Missouri. And we thought, in the middle of COVID, we couldn't do that to her. So this place was the one sane place we could find during COVID anyway. <laughs> I mean, we got here. Yeah. I mean, crazy, right? Yeah. We got here. People were living life. People were doing things. I have to tell you, we've lived all over the nation. There are people are not having children. People are not 
seen anymore throughout this country. And this place is wonderful. Yeah. We love it. Good. We love the schools. We love the weather. It's beautiful. Well, thank you. We thank love you. it here. Good, good. I'm glad you can enjoy that. You know, it is kind of interesting. If you if you go to some some very liberal states, and let's say you have three or four or five children, you're almost scorned. I mean, people look at you like, what are you, a freak? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. You know, I mean, they, you know, families are important in this state. I have, I, my wife and I, we have good friends. I think they have eight children, some, I believe, ten. Yeah. And they're, they're just great families. And people make fun of large families. It's always bothered me. I came from a large family. I was the second of six. That's a Catholic family. You know, Catholic families, they have big families. Yeah. And people are making fun of big, big families. More power to people that can do this. I, 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 don't, I don't like people making fun of big families. All right, back to the phones. Let's talk with uh, Jake and Tuila tonight here on the Rod Arquette Show. Jake, how are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. What are your thoughts, Jake? Um, well, as a disabled veteran, I've been, I've traveled all over North America and we've got six kids as well. And two left at home in Oregon where we were living. Well, my family, my wife and two kids still live there, but it was just ridiculous. And, uh, we'd been traveling for the last two years to functions instead of flying, we would drive. So my, the rest of my family could see the U.S. and find a new home. And just sheer luck, we came up through the Twilla Valley back from a family function in Las Vegas and <laughs> came upon a, a great job. And, and now I need to find a home and move my family out. But, but it was to the point where my nine-year-old came home and said, Dad, why did you why do boys need tampons in the bathroom? <laughs> oh, you're kidding me. Like, <laughs> oh, he asked you that from, and he's I, living I, in I, Oregon, right? He's living in Oregon and asked you that. She is, yes. Wow. My youngest daughter. Wow. And she's like, they're putting tampons in all the bathrooms for the boys, and why do they need those? And I'm like, honey, I don't know. <laughs> but we live 
in a rural setting. We live out in the middle of nowhere, and when we go to town, you know, it would. We don't live near Portland, but anytime you go to like a Eugene or any of the other cities, it's not unusual to see somebody at a stoplight next to you with a needle in their arm oh, or no. Oh, no. you know a mirror out or. It's legal. They wow. don't do anything about it. No, they don't. Not in Oregon anymore. And Not in Oregon. I don't. We didn't want our kids around it, so you moved. Well, good, good luck in finding a, a house. And you, and, yeah, good luck in finding a house, and hopefully you can get yeah. your family back together. Jake, thank you, and welcome to Utah. We appreciate your phone call. All right, a lot of people want to weigh in on this again. Um, if you're new to the state, and the numbers are showing that from July of last year to July of this year. We had 62,000 new people in this state. Most heads, too. Call 800-230-2777. 800-230-2777. Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Thursday here on Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen and you'll know. Welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show. Just joining us. By the way, coming up in the uh, in the 6 o'clock hour, just about 20, 25 minutes from now, um, there was a column today in the Wall Street Journal about America's school districts and the fact that they are too large to really be responsive to the needs of the parents and the students. We'll talk about that coming up in the uh, 6 o'clock hour. Now, if you're just joining us now, uh, Utah experienced its largest population spike in 16 years since June, July of 2021 and July of 2022. An estimated 62,000 people. Much of the growth was from in-migration, people moving into the state. Of course, there were some babies being born, of course. We have that in Utah. We don't oppose it, by the way. Other states do. Uh, but, you know, the in-migration. So I thought tonight we'd talk to uh, some of you who have moved into the state over the last year, maybe two years, three years, five years, or you know somebody, to find out why you moved here and what the great state of Utah, and I think it is a great state, has to offer that where you moved from, there wasn't that available, or there were things that attracted you to come here. 888-570-8010, or on your cell phone, dial pound 215, say, hey, Rod. Milton in South Weaver has been holding, waiting to get on the show tonight. Milton, how are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm good. Thank you for taking my call. I have kind of a unique story about mine. About two years ago, I got married to someone that lived here in Utah, and the story is that uh, she and I and our deceased partners knew each other for years and years. Her husband passed away. My wife passed away. I knew her. I got married and lived in Idaho, and I moved here to Utah to be with her. Now, did you ever suggest she go to Idaho and be be with you, Milton? <laughs> uh, no. No? <laughs> so you, you gave in, right? You moved to Utah. I was fine. I was fine. All right, all right, yes. Milton. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate that. Back to the phones. Let's go to uh, Dan, who's in downtown Salt Lake City. Dan, how are you? Thanks for joining us tonight. I'm doing. I love your show, dude. Thanks, man. But um, yeah, I I grew up here, and I went to all the way through college. But things were kind of slim here. I was an engineer, and I left for Southern California, beaches and blonde babes, and um, and I was there. Let's see, Southern California, I finally left there for Northern California, 2009. And uh, 
and then things started getting dicey and um I had some family members that not doing too well here and I thought, you know, it's not about all about me now. I need to come home and help them out and see if I can find employment here. And it took me two and a half years to really find employment, but uh my brother was had diagnosed with lung cancer. My mm. mother was demented and uh but you know what best move i made look at what they did because i got here three months before the uh virus Mm -hmm. for covid and i i I got it before we knew it was here (laughs) and i was sick for six weeks and i thought oh bad flu but um yeah and uh, I'm I'm loving it now because I'm back to the ski resorts and but yeah the 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 migration to here is not good yeah. but it's not as bad as Florida and Texas yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. no well, I'm happy to be home now and this is my home now well good good for you what was the experience like living in Southern and Northern California you know when I first moved there it was eighty three it was blue eyed surfers and we got <laughs> refunds on our taxes and uh then <laughs> i mean it was it was it was the it was like a vacation every yeah, day yeah yeah that's what someone <laughs> it never got below it never got below 60 degrees and, wow. and it rained like three days a year <laughs> wow wow i i've heard california described years ago it was like having a vacation every day it is beautiful down there Got wacky down there, but it's still kind of beautiful. Let's go to Ken and Layton and his hear hear his story tonight on the Rod Arquette Show. Hi, Ken. Hi. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Great. Uh, my story is I did not want to move here, but my daughter. Well, I lived in the high desert of California, which mm-hmm. is not the sunny beaches. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like here, except not as hot. Uh, my daughter got a job, moved from the Navy. Navy had a base out in California, but uh, she got a job with the Air Force Base here. And uh, make a long story short, she insisted I move here. And? I had retired. Uh-huh. I, I, I had retired. Okay. I wanted to move to Arizona. Yeah. She insisted that I come here, so I'm here for the grandkids. Okay. And what do you However, think? What do you think? Good. Ken, what do you think? Do you like it here? Well, it, it's good. It's not that much different from where I'm at. The one problem is I lived fairly close to Owens Lake, which is, you know, the precursor to what's the problems that the Salt Lake is having. And uh, hopefully we can get that under control. Yeah. I'm with you on that one, Ken. All right, thank you. Appreciate your phone call. All right, more of your calls coming back. Numbers out today showed Utah experienced the largest population spike in 16 years, an estimated 62,000 people moving into the state or being born here uh, from July of last year to July of this year. The headline in the uh, Tribune today says, wow. And we want to hear your experiences. If you've moved from out of state, come to the state. In the last year, last two or three years, five years, we'd like to know why and what your experience has been. 888-570-8010 on your cell phone. Dial pound three for details or check us out at PCLaptops.com. That's PCLaptops.com, where we love you.
Welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show here on Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know American school districts, they are simply too big. Communities feel they've lost the stability to influence bloated school districts. And now they want to break them up. That's what my author, uh, my guest at 605, will be talking about tonight. He wrote in a, an op-ed piece today in the uh, Wall Street Journal about this. He'll be joining us at 605 tonight. Now, if you're just joining us, lines are open to you tonight. 888-5708010 or on your cell phone dial pound 250 and say hey rod um a story out today in information released by the uh, Kim Gardner uh, Public Policy Center up the University of Utah took a look at Utah's population and the Wasatch Front is once again where the state's population is growing the most but overall in the state this year from July of last year to July of this year nearly 62,000 people moved here or were born here. And uh, that is the largest population spike that we've had in 16 years. So my question to new people who have moved here uh, tonight, and it may be within the last year, two years, three years, even back five years, what brought you to the state of Utah? Other than maybe a job, which totally understand. Uh, but did you want, even if you had a job here, an opportunity, why did you decide to come here? And I'm not posing that in any negative way. Everybody, are, you know, you are invited to live in this great state of ours. We have wonderful things, uh, things in this state to do. Um, the people here, I think, are absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's a very giving and caring community. Um, there'll be signs where it's not at times. Uh, people do get a little carried away, but we're human beings. But for, for the most part, this this is a great state. You have a lot of things going here. You have a very young population um, and, you know, raised to want to work hard. Uh, they're well-educated. Um, and in many respects, I think they want to stay here. Um, but I'd like to know why you moved here uh, and what brought you. Maybe you were here once, moved away. You wanted to come back. 888-570-8010, on your cell phone dial, pound 250, and say, hey, Rod. Utah County, by the way, had the biggest growth. Uh, they have a population now, let's see, they grew by nearly 16,000 people. Uh, and that's a, that, that's a huge jump. Its natural increase jumped by 8,000. The growth pushes Utah's county's population to 707,000. And that's second behind Salt Lake County. 888-570-8010. Back to the phones we go. Let's talk to uh, Carl in Provo tonight. Carl, welcome to the Rod Arquette Show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Rod. Hey, I grew up in Southern California in Los Angeles area. I came here three times. The first time was like when I was out of high school, and I was able to go to BYU for a short time. And then I went back to California. And then later on, I came back again. I guess probably after a mission I came back here. The one thing that got me about Utah, and I haven't heard anybody say this yet, is the predominant culture and faith that's here. It's not in California. It's here more plentiful than it is there or in just about anywhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, we lived in Idaho. We, we, the last time we came was about four years ago. We were in Blackfoot, Idaho for like 30 years. And I raised all our seven kids there and everything, and uh, most of the kids moved here. So I said, why, why don't you guys move out here with us? Okay, fine. I love Provo, so I come back again. And it there's, there's two sides to this whole thing here, because you've got people who 
kind of take it for granted. Yeah, yeah, they and do. I think that's the obvious thing when you're in California. You think you're going to go to Utah and everybody's going to be a glowing example of the faith. Well, that's not true. And then there's some people who are wonderful people in Utah. There's two sides to it. Yeah, there sure are. You're, you're right, Carl. Thank you. Appreciate your phone call. Let's go to Eric, who's on his uh, car phone tonight. Eric, welcome to the Rod Arquette Thanks for joining us. <laughs> thanks. Hey, Rod. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, Eric. Thanks. So, we escaped the People's Republic of Seattle to move here. <laughs> we lived there for four years. I know what you're talking about, Carl, or Eric. Yeah, the uh, the aggressive heroin sales guys. If you didn't buy heroin from them, they'd poop on the hood of your car. Wow. And, like, I'm not kidding. Yeah. No, yeah. I, 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 having then, lived there, I believe you. I believe everything. Yeah, and they have the aggressive... Uh, freeway median campers that's a human right now yeah and with the tax with the taxes being so high we weren't getting any return for that so we bailed for a free state yeah all right well good for you carl and you're absolutely right seattle is such a beautiful city uh and we moved there what 2006 2007 we're there for nearly four years and and i remember um walking down to pike's place and you know I, i parked somewhere i walked down there on the way, twice in one day, I got hit up to buy crack cocaine just off the street. People coming up to me, hey, hey, bud, you know, you get the crystal, crystal crack, whatever it was at the time. And uh, I'm not sure what it's like today, but I'm told it, it's gotten ugly there and in Portland. And that's so sad because both cities are beautiful cities. Um, and, and hopefully someone's going to get in there and turn them around, but don't hold your breath. All right, when we come back, American school districts, are they in fact too... You can get relief in days, not months. Schedule your free consultation today at EliteCarpalTunnel.com. All right, welcome back. Hour number three of the Rod Arquette Show with you on this uh, Thursday. Apparently, we're getting ready for a pretty good-sized storm. I was just watching the uh, KUTV newscast at 6 with uh, with uh, Sterling and indicating we could get a good one. It'll hit right just in time for the commute tomorrow morning, so you may want to plan ahead on that. Now, have you ever wondered what Sam Walton's family, Sam Walton, of course, founder of Walmart, has done with all their money? you ever wondered that? Well, you'll be surprised to find out what exactly they've been spending that money on coming up at 620 tonight. You'll want to listen in on that. Uh, but right now, let's talk about school districts here in the state of Utah. You know, one of the more interesting debates that took place during the midterm elections was what happened in, um, in Utah County, the Alpine School District in the city of Orem. There was a drive on the part of some very passionate people there in, in Orem, really, really good people who wanted to break away from the Alpine School District and felt that their their concerns, their needs weren't being met, and they wanted to break away and set up their own school district. The proposal went down to defeat after, I think, well, this is the first time it got on the ballot, but there have been other attempts over the years to do that. Um, and the Alpine School District, by the way, is the largest in the state. I think second is uh, Davis County. Well, my next guest, his name is Andy Smerick is with the Manhattan Institute. He had an op-ed piece today in the Wall Street Journal talking about America's school districts, and he claims 
They are simply too big. Andy is joining us on our Newsmaker Line. Andy, let me, first of all, great article today. Really enjoyed the article. And I agree with you. I think you should have smaller school districts. What would be your main argument for creating smaller school districts? Well, well, thank you for asking, and thank you for the compliment. Uh, A lot of people have talked about the way to reform schools and school districts is through school choice um, and mechanisms like that or accountability. And, And I think all of that's important. But the issue that I'm trying to raise here is that if we believe in democratic control of schools, that is, communities being in charge of what schools teach and the kind of ethics and values, uh, the culture that's in the schools, if we believe in all that, it's important that parents and community members are able to shape that school system. And when you have a gigantic school system of hundreds of thousands of students, uh, it's, it's just very difficult. So the idea here is to make these districts smaller so parents and citizens can actually shape them in the way that they would like. Andy, we, uh, we had a uh, vote uh, during the midterm elections on a, uh, the largest school district in the state, which only has about 84,000, 85,000 school districts. By some standards, that's still relatively small. But there was a community within that school district in the city of Orem that wanted to break away and set up its own school district. The idea was soundly defeated. Why are people reluctant to break them up? Well, there are a couple of reasons, um, and a couple of them that we need to take very, very seriously. So in one sense, sometimes communities want to break off from bigger school districts because um, it's a wealthier community, and they think that they can run better schools. Mm-hmm. And the concern there is that what is left of the school district is going to have less money, less resources, less human capital. And so that is something to uh, be concerned about. But the point that I'm trying to make in all of this is if we if we have state funding formulas that are going to uh, be fair to all of these kinds of districts, we can get around these unfair funding finance equity issues. At the same time, give all of these communities the ability to shape their own schools. Now, I also have to say that there are some people who just believe that there need to be big districts because they're efficient and that this is the way to run a great school system. And there are some folks... Um, who think that this is the way to do procurement and purchasing and unions like bigger school districts because it's easier to um, collectively bargain over uh, big units than uh, five or ten small ones. But the real issue here is do want communities to be able to be in charge democratically of these smaller units? And I say yes. Wouldn't uh, Do bigger school districts produce better students? Do students come out of these bigger school districts better prepared? Or is, it, or is there any way to tell that, Andy? Thank you for asking. There have been a lot of scholars who have asked this question, tried to study it over a long, long period of time, and I'll give you the short answer. Uh, America has gone through this process of school school consolidation for more than a century. So it used to be the case that there were districts that literally had one school in them. So the research seems to suggest that if you go from two school districts with a school apiece and consolidate them into one district with two schools, or, you know, two schools apiece up to four, uh, then you get some economies of scale. Then it becomes efficient, um, maybe saves some money. But what there is not evidence of is that if you have a school district of 50,000, 100,000, 500,000, or in the case of New York City, a million 
students that it's going to get better results or be more efficient. So what I'm most interested in is not the districts that have 10 schools, but the districts that have 100, 200, 500 schools that make it really hard to manage. How difficult would it be for some districts to deconsolidate? I mean, would that be a real task, Andy? Is there a plan there to take a look at and consider? Well, there are, there are different ways to do this, and different communities and different states have to figure this out. Uh, generally, state governments have total power to uh, at least launch these kind of efforts, and it can be done through a state board of education, a state superintendent, a legislature could pass a law mandating it. Uh, and really what it would take is just the state deciding that uh, if the school district has 100,000 students, maybe we should have four districts of 25,000 or 10 of 10,000. Then you just have to make some decisions about collective bargaining agreements and who owns the facilities and how you're going to redraw um, enrollment assignment lines, which can be complicated. But all of these things are part of education policy that can be done. But those are issues that are often raised by people who don't want to talk about the, the issue that I'm trying to at least have a conversation about, which is, do we want families and community members to be able to go to their school board members and actually be heard, go to the superintendent principal and be heard? And if you're in a district that has 10 schools, that's a whole lot easier than if you're in a district where you're one family out of 100,000. So this is really about local community agency and the ability of families, of local citizens, to say, I want my schools to do or not do these things. Yeah. I know there are some states that do have small independent school districts. I'm aware of down in Texas, I think almost every community down there that has a school has their own independent school district. Is that a more efficient model, do you think, Andy? Well, it depends. Because America is, uh, we have a couple centuries of um, history on this, different states have done different things. So there are some states in the South where their school districts are the same thing as their county lines. Up in the Northeast, traditionally, you had a bunch of very small school districts. So New Jersey or Ohio might have 600, 700 school districts. Um, Same thing in uh, out West. I know Texas has a bunch of small ones. And this is really just... um, a way that different states can make these decisions about how they think it's best to fund schools and who to uh, put in charge. A lot of this has to do with rural issues. Uh, So there are a lot of different traditions here. What we know is almost all of the big cities in America, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Philadelphia. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 
91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. They almost always have one gigantic school district, and increasingly there are these ring suburbs um, big counties, big jurisdictions just on the outside of those cities that have one school district as well. So these are the places where we're not talking about 5,000 students. We're talking about 100,000, 150,000, 200,000 students. And it's really in these places um, where uh, parents and community members just don't have that much ability to shape what's happening in the district. Final question for you, Andy. Are you aware of any state or uh, an area where you did have a large school district and it's been broken up as a result of parental frustration where they can't seem to get any response from the school district? Uh, So far, what we've seen is uh, what you alluded to earlier, where in some states there are smaller communities that try to just break off from the bigger district. What we haven't seen so much of is what I'm arguing for, a a, a strategic planning effort to largely deconsolidate a big district into a bunch of equally sized smaller districts. Instead, what most states have done when people are frustrated with a low-performing large district is to give families school choice. So start charter schools or create a voucher, scholarship, ESA program. And what I'm saying is I support all of those things. Um, that's great. But if we still believe in community control, uh, school boards, democratic control, another way to have both democratic control and more power for parents and community members is for the legislature to say, hey, rather than having this uh, school district of 100,000 students, let's make it four or six or eight or 10 smaller districts. So these are more human-sized, more personal uh, administrative units. On our newsmaker line, Andy Smarek. He is with the Manhattan Institute writing today about America's school districts. Many of them, he argues, are simply too big. Now, when we come back, what has happened to all of Sam Walton's money? The founder of Walmart. We'll talk about it coming up next, right here on the Thursday edition of the Rod Arquette Show and Utah's Talk Radio. I inspire you to keep learning. Listen to The Bible in a Year with Jack Graham on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Should a uh, Supreme Court justice be allowed to have their own religious beliefs? Apparently not, according to some, who are now going after Justice Amy Coney Barrett for her beliefs about abortion, same-sex marriage. She'll be considering an LGBTQ case here in a few weeks. And there, there are those who are calling for her to recuse herself from that hearing. We'll talk about that coming up at 635 tonight here on the Rod Arquette Show. Walmart, I think almost every community in America today, or a large majority of them, have a Walmart. It is truly an American success story. Now, Sam Walton, I don't know if you ever read his book. It's a great book, by the way. Um, you know, he passed away several years ago and has left uh, a fortune with his family. Well, what have people been doing with that money? You'd be surprised to find out that the Walton family has been funding LGBTQ events for kids in Arkansas. Joining us on our newsmaker line to dig into that is Jillian Richards. She is with the Heritage Foundation, a research associate there. Jillian, thanks for joining us tonight. You've been scrutinizing where some of that money has been going. What have you found out, Jillian? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Rod. Um, From my research, I found that the Walton family specifically 
second and third generation members of the Walton family who are heirs of the founder of Walmart has funneled millions of dollars into LGBTQ initiatives in their home state of Arkansas. Um, and they came out in opposition of the SAFE Act or mm-hmm. Save Adolescents from Experimentation Act, which protects kids from these mutilating surgeries. Um, and behind the scenes, in addition to all of that, they've created initiatives like the LGBTQ Advancement Fund, um, which they've then allocated money, millions of dollars, to various groups in their home state of Arkansas. Wow. Why did you decide to take a look at these numbers? What prompted you to say, hey, let's see what they're spending their money on? Yeah. I think just following the money where it leads, um, wondering, well, who is behind this push in the state of Arkansas to strike down this bill, which will protect kids from um, these sex reassignment surgeries, which are often irreversible um, I think just following the money where it leads, you know, it, it's often <laughs> kind of what you want to do. And especially in this case, the richest family in the country is actually housed in Arkansas, and that's the Walton family. Um, I think the Waltons own about 50% of the shares of Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, you know, they're heirs of the, you know, the Walmart founding fortune. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, they're using their money and this way for these initiatives. What kind of organizations are they supporting? Events are they supporting? What do we know about these various groups, uh, Jillian? Yeah, um, some of the groups that they've funded include the Equality Crew, um, which, you know, they describe themselves as a safe space for LGBTQ-identifying youth. Um, The Equality Crew has sponsored events. Um, One of these just happened this past June, during the Gay Pride Parade in Arkansas. Um, it was this event called the Youth Zone, which offered drag story time, drag queen um, shows for teenagers and young kids. It even included uh, what they called a sensory zone, which offered this space for kids who needed a break from the sights and sounds, which it seems pretty clear that that targets children on the autism spectrum, those who experience this kind of sensory overload. Um, We also know that kids on the autism spectrum often experience gender confusion and gender dysphoria. Um, So this kind of thing, it's it's fairly clear that what the Equality Crew is offering was targeting a specific demographic of young people, young and vulnerable children. Who are the main characters, Jillian, within the Walton family who are pushing this spending? Yeah, so I would say it seems as though those at the forefront are Alice Walton, who is the daughter of Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Tom Walton as well, who is the grandson of Sam Walton, as as, um, as well as his wife, Olivia Walton, who married into the family. They've appeared at the forefront of this movement, um, and it's interesting figuring out what what exactly are their motives in, you know, funding these initiatives. Um, that aspect does not seem entirely clear to me, but I'm, I'm curious to keep digging into this story. It's, yeah, it's very interesting. Have you, have you heard of any pushback from other members of the family who say, we don't want to spend our money that way? I guess I guess you can spend it however you want if it's your money. But is there any indication other members of the Walton family are, un- are uncomfortable with this spending? Yeah, that's a great question. And as far as I've been able to tell, there's no one who's 
come out against these initiatives. It, it seems almost as though they've gotten away with this. It's been kind of undercover. It's all there on their website when you look at the, the groups that they've funded, the grants that they've given out. Yeah, there's this level of um, not, it's not at the forefront of, you know, what the media is mm-hmm. talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, there hasn't been enough light shed on this story. But I do hope to see some members of the Walton family maybe reeling in um, these more radical initiatives. Yeah. Jillian, um, you know, like I indicated, if, you know, if it's their money and they want to spend it how they, how they want to, they certainly are willing to do it. But Walmart is so American. It's like, you know, Chevy's and apple pies for crying out loud. What kind of reaction are you getting to people who are finding out what you found out in this story? What are people saying about it? I think shocked. Um, Some people have seemed to have already been aware of some of these initiatives that Walmart has been pushing particularly the DEI initiatives. Um, and so for some, these findings really just confirmed it for them. They, you know, they want to spend their money elsewhere. But I think a lot of people, just based on my intuition, I don't think the average Walmart customer would be particularly into or interested in these you know, very progressive initiatives. So I think um, it helps to spread the story and get the word out there because I do think people can vote with their money and decide this this is not in our interest. On our Newsmaker line, uh, we've been talking with Jillian Richardson. She is with the uh, Richards, I should say, with the Heritage Foundation. She's a uh, research analyst there and has been doing some uh, digging into the uh, heirs of Sam Walton and how they've been spending their money. More coming up on the Rod Arquette Show right here on Utah's Talk Radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app for all of your music, radio, and podcasts. A dirt road to any place Long as I'm long gone Chasing down some blue skies In my old truck Turn the world out Turn the radio Sing along to my freedom song The Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS We've got about another 30 minutes of the Rod Arquette Show for you on this uh, Thursday and then we Turn the uh, turn the microphone over to uh, Jesse Kelly, and Jesse will be with you tonight from seven until ten o'clock. By the way, um, if you missed any portion of the show today and you want to hear it, we put it up on our uh, on our podcast immediately when the show is over tonight. So if you want to listen to an interview you may have missed, want to find out some of the information that we shared with you today, you simply can go to knrs.com, look for the uh, Rod Arquette podcast. It is right there, and we're more than willing to uh, invite you to give it a second listen or a first-time listen if you may have missed it today. A lot of people do that. It's very common, and uh, we offer that uh, audio service available to you as well. All right. um, The type of beliefs or the beliefs in general that a member of the U.S. Supreme Court have, um, should they be allowed to have them if they have the beliefs and a case comes before them that may challenge those beliefs, um, should they recuse themselves from a case? More and more often we're hearing stories of various groups demanding that members of the Supreme Court remove themselves from certain cases because of their own personal beliefs. Case in point is the story involving Justice Amy Coney Barrett, who will hear a case on Monday uh, in which a Colorado website designer 
Lori Smith, is defending her right to run her business without being forced to make websites for same-sex weddings. Now, Justice Barrett belongs to an organization that is opposed to same-sex weddings. So should she remove herself? On our Newsmaker line is Hugo Gurdon. Hugo is the editor-in-chief of the Washington Examiner. He wrote about this today. Hugo, thanks for joining us today. Um, how intense is the fight to remove justices like Justice Barrett from various cases? I, I think it's very intense. I think that one of the things that one sees if one monitors the ideological battles of the country at the moment is that the, uh, the, the, the left will, is fighting on all fronts. It's not, uh, you know, it's not limited to one area or another. And as the um, Supreme Court composition has changed in the last several years and that there is now a very clear majority of at least five to four uh, for people who are originalist in their constitutional interpretation and textualist in their statutory interpretation, this is hugely alarming to to the left because it means that there is a very proper check on the ambitions of the left to change the nature of America. Um, and I think that, that at any point, what they are trying to do is to preemptively undermine uh, confidence in Supreme Court decisions. They've done, they're doing it with uh, talk about Justice Alito leaking from the, from the court, which is, has been found to be untrue. Mm-hmm. They have done it by attacking Clarence Thomas's wife, with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should, too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Ginny Thomas, um, you know, at every turn, essentially, the left is trying to uh, preemptively undermine decisions which are made by the 5 to 4 or sometimes 6 to 3 textualist and uh, constitutionalist majority on the court. Uh, so that at some point, um, as soon as possible, they can have those decisions reversed and continue the sort of inexorable movement of, the, of America to the left. Hugo, is the dream of those on the left to have a completely secular court with no faith whatsoever, so therefore, you know, faith never comes into play or someone's personal beliefs never come into play when an important decision is made? Is that what they want? 
What, what they want is left-wing decisions. I mean, I don't think that there's any guiding principle except for that when they want the decision to be A, however one gets to it, the decision is A. I mean, all of this, this idea that uh, there should be no um, religious support or people should not have bring their religious opinions into the public square began with when President Kennedy was running for office and he said, you know, that he wouldn't allow his uh, Catholic faith to influence his political decisions. And from that flowed, uh, you know, now going on three generations of um, uh, falsehood that faith should be kept out of the public square. Now, that's a different matter than making decisions um, in the Supreme Court. It, it, it is absolutely appropriate that um, Justice Barrett, all the justices, should not allow their own cultural uh, mm-hmm. you know, preferences yeah. or religious faith to determine what they say the law is. Their job is not to represent certain constituencies. It is to interpret what the law actually says. And so, so they shouldn't be bringing their religious faith into it. And the, tr- and, the, and, and the fact is that this is the irony of this. Those on the right in the court, the conservatives, those who are originalists in their uh, constitutional interpretation and textualists in their statutory inter- interpretation, they fundamentally believe that the outside views that they might have should not be brought into their judgments and their jurisprudence. They should judge what the laws actually say. It is the people on the left <laughs> who talk about a living constitution, who want to stray away from what the constitution actually means and bring in um, ideas that they from outside they want to bring in their ideas of their ideas of justice or whatever it might be so you know it's not for judges to say this is right or wrong it is for them to say this is what the law says there's a very interesting uh, little passage in robert one of robert bork's early books i think it was the tempting of america where he was standing on the steps of the supreme court or something and 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 some colleague went past and said do justice and he said, that's actually the wrong thing for, to be said. What, what should be said is administer the law. It is not for the judge or the justices to say what the law should be. It's for them to say what the law actually is. Yeah, what the law actually is. You point out some, uh, something very interesting in your article today where you're talking about this uh, Colorado case in which the uh, justice is being asked to recuse herself involving a, uh, a Colorado web designer who refused to design websites for same-sex couples. Um, and you said the whole point of what they're trying to do is to hound uh, her and to make commercial enterprise impossible and life unpleasant for Christians around the country. Is that their ultimate goal? Yes, I think that they, I, I mean, I don't, I, whether it's, I, it's certainly one of their goals. It's certainly one of their goals. Um, the, the, on, one of the notable things one will see on the left is that they think every culture and every belief is worth defending except our own. They don't like the, the Christian uh, or the origins of our uh, uh, country and, mm-hmm. and 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 of our and our constitution, um, it has it has its roots in Christendom. That's where it where it derives from. Um, every culture, as far as the left is concerned, is is worth defending and, and is worth you know is of value, except the one from which we actually spring. They want to uproot our culture, and uh, that definitely means uprooting 
Christianity. Um, it, it, it means excluding Christianity from public decision-making. And, uh, you know, yes, they, they, essentially what's happening in the Colorado case, it's rather like the one where the uh, cake maker, yeah, was, yeah. Uh, the, where the law was, uh, people tried to use the law to force the cake maker to bake cakes celebrating gay marriage. Um, this one is about trying to force a woman who wishes to make, to design and build um, uh, uh, wedding websites to force her to make them for gay marriages. Now, this isn't because there's nobody else there who would make these things for uh, gay couples. There are plenty of people who disagree with the Colorado woman, uh, Laurie Smith, um, and they would gladly make these, but make these uh, websites and design these websites. But the whole point of the activists uh, and these lawsuits is to try and force the people who don't want to do it to do it. And we are at that stage in the cultural war that we're involved in in this country, where it isn't sufficient, as far as the left is concerned, that, uh, you know, that, that marriage, mm -hmm. gay marriage should mm -hmm. be the law. They want to force the pe people who don't agree with that to say that they that it is a good thing. They want to force speech. And, the, you know, if there's one thing that, I mean, it, surely it is perfectly obvious that forcing someone to say something is not free speech. On our newsmaker line, his name is Hugo Gurdon. He is the editor-in-chief of the Washington Examiner, a website that I take a look at each and every day, talking about the uh, pressure being mounted against uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett to remove herself from a case over her beliefs. The case involves a website designer, I believe out of Colorado, as I mentioned, with Hugo a moment ago, in which she is refusing to design websites for same-sex marriages. Uh, and she's taken her case all the way to the Supreme Court, they will hear arguments on that uh, on Monday, the 5th, and uh, they've asked uh, Justice uh, Barrett to remove herself from the case, recuse herself from the case, simply because she belongs to an organization that is uh, believes in marriage between a man and a woman, not same-sex marriage. And this is just part of an ongoing effort on the part of those on the left to that you have to, if you have any belief like that, you cannot serve on the bench. They simply want a secular bench. A bench made up of secularists who have no faith whatsoever. That's what they're shooting for. And uh, Hugo says that's not what America is all about. All right, more coming up on the Rod Arquette Show on this Thursday, right here on YouTube. Final few minutes of the Rod Arquette Show with you here on Utah's Talk Radio 105.9. KNRS, listen, and you'll know Jesse Kelly show. Jesse's coming your way in just about 13 minutes from now, so we invite you to stay with us right up until uh, 10 o'clock tonight. And then, of course, it's Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. And then overnight, George Norrie takes over with Coast to Coast right here on Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. All right, the um, couple of final notes before we uh, head on out of here tonight. Um, we were mentioning earlier, that, um, you know, the state's population has, has grown uh, to the tune of about 62,000 people between July of last year and July of this year. That's the biggest increase we've had in, they're saying, about 16 years. Um, and in migration, highest since about World War II, which is pretty amazing. Um, and it's interesting to see, and I, I, I meant to bring this story along, too, and I forgot to mention this as we were talking about that and getting your phone calls on all of this tonight. 
A a new national survey is showing that a significant number of Republicans and independents are now moving to states that are more aligned with their beliefs and values. And we heard that from a lot of people who called in tonight. Um, The study found that, uh, here's what it said. It, It said, it has been well documented that there has been a significant exodus of citizens from blue states since the start of COVID. But this incredible data reveals that it is Republicans and independents who have voted with their feet and moved to states more aligned with their values. That coming from Mark Meckler, the president of the uh, Convention of States Action, who conducted the survey in partnership with the Trafalgar Group. Now, one of the highest insights of the 22, or one of the hidden, I should say, insights, according to Meckler, of the 2022 election, that red states got redder and blue states got bluer. Interesting. He went on to say, there's only going to accelerate as far as as we move forward. America, he said, is in the midst of a great decoupling as our nation becomes less of a United States and more focus is placed on regional and state policies and values, similar to what we saw at the founding of the country. So interesting that Republicans are moving to states that are more aligned with their values. Now, Trust in election results, I think, is at an all-time high. You had the D News today editorializing that, you know, charges of fraud in the election system were not, uh, didn't happen during 2022, the midterm elections. But still, there are a lot of people who lack faith in the election process. Republicans, of course, expressing frustration because of 2020 and 22. But a survey found that Democrats are more likely to distrust or trust delayed election results. Now, I, I still don't know why in this country, with the technology that we have today, why we cannot get the results of an election within a day. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. And you've got some races still in this country that are not decided as of today. What are we, almost a month past the election? And we still don't have the numbers today. So I think, you know, well, you know, Democrats... Trust them. They trust the delays. And Republicans go, no, we want, we want the numbers right away. And I think the American people deserve that. Now, this state has done a pretty good job with it. But there are other states, <laughs> Nevada, Arizona, that have a long way to go. Look to Florida, because Florida had this issue during the 20 or the 2000 election between Bush and Gore. They seem to have solved it and are now being held up as a model state to get their election and the results in quickly. That does it for us tonight. Thanks for listening. Head up, shoulders back. May God bless you and your family. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.